course, you got to open up with some Joe Walsh. My guest on the phone, Kristen Casey. She's got a new book. It's called Rock Monster, My Life with Joe Walsh. It's available in stores now. I think it was March 18th is when it rolled out. You can go to Kristen Casey, KristenCaseyAuthor.com. I think she's standing by. Hold on. Hello, Kristen. It's Bubba. How are you? Hey, Bubba. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Now, are you? Uh, did you relocate back to Austin? Are you in L.A.? Like, where, where, where did life take you after, you know, all this stuff? Um, well, I moved to Vegas when Joe and I broke up the first time, and then we got back together, but I stayed in Vegas and never uh, moved back in with him. And then um, in 1998, I moved back to Austin, so I've been here uh, 20 years now. So you're back in Austin. Yeah. Well, i got to think yeah. being in Austin is far probably better for you than living in Vegas. I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff happening in Vegas. Yeah, well, you know, that's kind of why I went there. Is for the bad stuff. Yeah, because when Joe and I broke up, I was feeling pretty self-destructive, and Vegas is kind of the perfect place to, you know, to explore that. Kristen, K- <laughs> Kristen Casey uh, is her name. She's the author of her new book, Rock Monster, Her Life with Joe Walsh. Now, you supposedly spent, well, you spent six years with Joe, right? Yeah. Joe yeah, Walsh, of course, the uh, guitarist for Eagles, did his own stuff as well, Eagles. Uh, the original Eagles, I think, was was Don Henley and Glenn Fry. They started out, I don't know if people know this or not, I'm sure you do, but they started out as, like, musicians for Linda Ronstadt, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't remember all the history of it, but and you um, met, I know. And you met, you met Joe when he was with the Eagles when they came to Austin, Texas, when you were a stripper. Um, well, he wasn't with the Eagles anymore. He'd left them. It was 88, so he was solo, um, and he was in town uh, to play the uh, T-Bird River Fest in 88. And so I didn't know who he was, but he was headlining a, like a, a weekend festival or a day-long festival. All right, so is he, at that point, he's hitting, it's 1988, and you're in Austin, Texas, and I think you're stripping. Your book gets into all that, right? Yeah, yeah, I was 20 years old. I've been stripping about two and a half years by then. And you, did, did he come to the strip? No, you met him at, the, at a hotel, right? Yeah, yeah. One of the girls that I worked with, who is a friend of mine, she'd been sort of casually dating his bass player, and um, she would fly around the country now and then and, and catch up with them on tour. And when they came through town to play the festival, she needed a ride to the hotel, and she asked me to give her give her a ride, and then um, maybe come up and meet this guy Joe, who was recently single, and I had no idea who he was. I thought he was like maybe a um, like a one hit wonder or seventies, like maybe famous in the seventies. You know, I. I didn't think he, I had no idea who he was. Well, I mean, here you are, you're 20, you're stripping in Austin, a 20-year-old at that point in 1988 probably has no idea of Joe Walsh at all. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd heard, I knew his music because Rocky Mountain Way was on the air all the time, Life's Been Good, and so I'd heard those songs, but I never listened to the day afterward or it never stuck, and of course, you know, I knew who the Eagles were, but a lot of people I think back then sometimes didn't. Associate one with the other. Well, Joe Walsh was, you know, obviously he's one of the greatest guitars, but the Eagles were always associated with Glenn Fry and Henley. I don't think Joe came in until like five, like 75 or something like that into the Eagles. So he wasn't one of the original founding guys. But nonetheless, you're a stripper. You're 20 years old. You don't know who he is. And so you're taking one of your stripper friends to the hotel. I think it was the Radisson. And she needed a ride because she's seeing the bass player for Joe. And then how did you... Did she say, come on up and meet meet this Joe guy? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was sort of a either a sly fix-up, or maybe the guys had called her and said, "Hey, bring someone for Joe." <laughs> you know, I don't. I've never been really clear on that, and she doesn't really remember herself. But um, I could have been. For all I know, I was the only um, girl working that night who wasn't busy after work, and right. that's why she asked me. But she did say that she thought that we we would get along. She just had a feeling, and um, so she didn't spring it on me until we were in the car, and I thought. Yeah, I've been working all night. I'm tired. I don't know who this guy is. I'm, but I, you know, I'll be polite. I'll meet him. Maybe we'll have fun. But I'll probably leave and, you know, I'll fake a yawn in 15 minutes and drive home. But 15 minutes later, I was kind of in love with the guy, so I stayed all night. Now you guys were doing. I think in your book it said you guys started doing cocaine right there that night. Well, he he offered me some that night. Yeah, but I I didn't do any. Um, I didn't do any that night. I had quit hard drugs a couple years earlier because when I was 18, I'd had a, a short but intense spell with meth. Um, and so I had dropped out of college. I'd wasted all my college grants and loans on crystal meth. And then um, I spiraled and I quit. And so I wouldn't do coke. I wouldn't do meth, anything like that. So when he offered it to me, I was like, no, thanks. I'm you know, I'm good. And, and then when we started dating a few months later, I slowly sort of eventually um, got into it. You know, I asked him for some, because it, he would come to life every day around the time I was going to bed. So um, after a couple of months of, of seeing him, I asked for a bump, and then I just, you know, eventually, pretty quickly, um, became addicted. And, and then when I blew out my septum, i I decided to start smoking. That was my excuse for smoking crack, because that was pretty hardcore. Now, you blew out, and in your book, it talk, by the way, it's Kristen Casey. She is the former, were you Were you guys ever engaged? Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, we, I guess we could call it, you were the former fiancé of Joe Walsh, because you could yeah, say that. Yeah, we were engaged for 10 months. He proposed in, uh, I think it was August of 92, and we were living together by then. We lived together for three, um, two and a half years, I guess. Um, I moved in in 91. And he proposed about a year later and um, bought me a beautiful diamond ring. And then um, uh, we were fighting a lot already. But he also said that the, you know, the marriage was contingent on my quitting crack, which I wanted to do. But You were on crack by this unable. time. I, yeah, I, was already, I had just recently started smoking crack maybe a few months before he proposed. And I had every intention of quitting, especially after he proposed. Now, so Joe was trying to be, yeah. Joe, the rocker, was trying to be responsible and tell you, stop smoking crack and I'll marry yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. I mean, he loves me. And he, um, I think he, you know, I don't want to speak for him in this regard, but because he's never come straight out and said it, but I know he felt sort of guilty for exposing me to all that. It was, you know, it was all, I was a grown-up. It was my decision. Um but uh, I think he felt guilty for having exposed me to coke in the first place. And then I just, you know, I, I spiraled. I was, I was a worse addict than him within a few years. And I've seen pictures of you, Kristen. You didn't even look like a meth head or a crackhead. Most of the bitches have their, all, their faces all picked <laughs> off and their, and their teeth are all rotted out. And I went through your book and saw all the pictures of you and him. And you look like just a normal kind of hot stripper chick. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, well, you know, my meth use was, it lasted no more than six months. And it was only really bad for like, two or three, not even three full months. So um, I lost all my money, and I lost all my friends, and I spiraled so quickly that I got out of it. Um, and then even when I was using Coke, I, you know, I, I maintained, a, a, I didn't lose too much weight. I, in L.A., everybody's skinny, right? But when I started smoking crack, that's when people started to worry, like, 
I, I no, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a heavier guy. If I started smoking some crack, would it be good for my weight loss? <laughs> I don't think it would be good for you in any way, shape, or form. That's definitely not the healthy way. Kristen to go Casey is her name, and she's got a new book. It just came out about a month ago. It's called Rock Monster: My Life with Joe Walsh. It's available in stores now. You can go to Kristen Casey Author. Dot com And she was a former stripper. She met Joe Walsh uh, in Austin, Texas at, at 20 years old from a stripper friend. She then started hanging out with him. And for six years, they, they, they lived together. They were you were on the road with him. You, uh, you he proposed to you at one time less if you would stop doing crack. Now, how when you said that his day, his day would start when you would go to bed, what would Joe, when you guys were living together and he was traveling? Now, was he back with the Eagles at any time when you guys were together? Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's kind of a funny story. We broke up the first time in uh, the summer of 93, I think September or so, or July. And so I moved to Vegas and almost immediately realized I'd made a horrible mistake and I was still in love with him. So I started a campaign to sort of get him back. And um, by six months later, I was in L.A., and uh, we were in a hotel room because the house was trash, so he had just gotten a hotel room. And so um, I spent all that evening sort of talking him back, talking him into getting back together, and, um, and he agreed, and that was the night the Eagles started calling and talking him into going into rehab, and he went into rehab the next day in order to get back with the band, and, um, and so I would visit him in rehab. Uh, so we were, like, officially back together, but he had quit drinking and drugs, and I had only quit the drugs. So he was a big he was a big vodka, he was a big vodka guy was he not? He was that was his drink definitely. Yeah. What was your drink? Uh, well, when I was stripping, I would drink a lot of tequila with beer chasers, and then when I was home, I would drink a little bit of vodka, but mostly wine. Uh, now, how much Chardonnay. when Joe was really rolling hard with the Eagles, making tons of money? What type of money was he making? I mean, was money no object? Did you guys live like rock stars, like you know, you know? private jets and Bentley and butlers and servants and things like big houses and, you know, the lifestyle, the rich and famous? Um, you know, the years that I was with him were the years, except for that last year when he was with the Eagles, and, of course, he was, you know, like overnight, like crazy rich again. But the first five years were like the worst of his career, pretty much. So um, he was budgeting. I mean, but he was budgeting like a rock star budget. It's like he bought, he bought a $1.5 million house for us to live in in Studio City, and we took limos everywhere. But that was partly a rock star thing and partly because we were both usually too drunk to drive anywhere. Now, you said it, it, said, it goes on your book to talk about the first night or the, like, I don't know, you, you wanted to have sex with him. And he didn't want to have sex with you. And you were like, when's this guy going to have sex with me? And then is the first time you guys, that he introduced you into bondage or something like that. I think if I remember right. That's very close. Yeah. So the first night we got together, like he just wanted to make out and take things slowly. And I was just, you know, I mean, I was young and horny and I just kept trying to jump his bones. And he kept trying to be romantic and tender and, and go really slow. And, um, you know, then it was the next day. Um, that he played the show, he played the festival, and then had me come back to the hotel, and we got our um, we got a room together away from the party that was going on in his room, and we made love for the first time, and it was just really beautiful. Now, how good, you know, uh, we had Joe Walsh in here, uh, and my, on my show, Manson, if you remember, it was like 1997 in the old studios. Do you remember? Yeah. And he was so, now, uh, now Kristen, I hope you don't get mad at me, but he was the biggest weirdo I've, ev I've ever had on my show. And so he's Joe Walsh, and we were interviewing him, and, you know, we're kind of crazy. We're like, hey, Joe, play some, uh, you know, play some stuff for us. And he's like, he wouldn't play any 
of his songs unless this is back in the day when porn was on VHS, like the VHS tapes. Well, being uh-huh. in the being the radio station, you know, all these on the, all the porn girls and stuff that would come in. We had stacks of these VHS tapes, and he said for every VHS porn tape we gave him, he'd play a song. And so we gave him like five or six of them <laughs> to take down the road, and he played like five or six solos for us. You're kidding! What what year was that? This would have been ninety seven. Oh, so he was um, in Tampa. So he was sober already. How funny! He was. <laughs> but he was still on the porn to the point where he would come to a radio station and he would do the amount of you know Eagles or Joe Walsh songs based on how many. I don't know if he cut that deal with everybody, but he saw this big stack of porn that we had, and he's like, "I'll play music as long as you give me that porn." So we gave him the well, porn, obviously. Yeah, well, we watched. I mean, we watched a lot of porn. Like it's. I mean, back to the kink thing. Like, I I've known a lot of men. I've I've had other lovers in my life who, when they were using coke, were really kinky, and then when they cleaned up, they were just completely vanilla. We got a so. guy on the show, Ned. Ned, when you're on coke, you're kinky, and when you're, you know, yeah, uh, both. I'm always kinky. You're always kinky. Yeah, there's plenty of guys like um, out there like that too. But with Joe and I, yeah, like the kink. He introduced the kink. Um, our first date, like we, I'm, when I met him in Austin, um, then we just talked on the phone afterward, and then he flew me out to St. Louis for like our first like real weekend together, and that was kind of when he introduced me. That's the first time he tied me up and everything. And so that was I write about that in the book. Like that was his thing back then. I have no idea about he would tie you up. Like when he was when you say kink, would he he would tie you up and would he leave you tied up or like how did that go? Um, there was a lot of tying up, a lot of like instructions and role playing, and you know I was frequently. Um, told not to talk. I could meow like a kitten, like or a cat. That was like the only. Um, what What about the in, kind of the stuff. inhaling of your personal scents from a distance? Like what? <laughs> I, I, I got into that part of the book. I'm like, would he take? He would keep your underwear around, and then he would sniff your well, underwear when you're on the road. He, no, he just did that one time. Like that was the first time he came to visit me, and he was kind of. I don't know if he was like detoxing or he, if he'd just been um, coming off of a big binge, but he just basically planted himself on the couch and stayed there for three days, and then. And he didn't want to. He didn't want to kiss. He didn't want to have sex. He just wanted to crash on my couch for three days. And then, so I just went to work. I was still stripping at Sugars. And then um, one day he told me that when I was at work he missed me, and so he 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 sniffed my one of my, a pair of my panties from the dirty clothes hamper. But that wasn't really like a kink thing. That I mean, I know most guys I know will do that. But the the kink was like I mean, it was bondage. It was BDSM, but it wasn't like. It wasn't a lot of pain or sadomasochism or anything. What about I mean, what what, what about what you guys called monstering? Would you explain? Because I think you got into yeah. that book. You guys would do a whole uh, get into a whole monstering gimmick. Monster. Yeah, yeah. Like monster first. That was our pet name for each other, and what it meant was just going overboard. So, like, if we had been up for two or three days and the house is trashed and there's like you know, coke residue everywhere and bondage equipment everywhere, and we might just look at each other and say, oh, my God, you're such a monster, or, you know, we had, that was quite a monster, huh, babe? But, you know, it was like a, just a little term for partying really hard. Um, and so that's why I titled the book that way. Like, I don't mean Joe is a monster in a bad way at all. Um, but back to the porn videos, yeah, like, we used to watch the VHS porn videos all the time back then. Like, um, uh, I'm trying to think who was big back then. Which ones did you give him? Was he selective? Oh, I don't he... even know. I think no. he just wanted all of it. Yeah. By the way, it's Kristen, Kristen Casey. Her new book is called Rock Monster, The Life with Joe Walsh. She was in, uh, with Joe Walsh for six years. Now, it, yeah, I think your book went on to say that you could really only turn on, you know, his sexuality or his kink with cocaine. He loved cocaine. And that's what turned everything on, is cocaine. 
Yeah, yeah, it was kind of opposite for me because Coke actually kind of killed my sex drive. And when I wasn't using, um, I was basically horny and ready all the time. But after a couple of lines, then it, it just kind of killed my sex drive. But it would ratchet his up. Like as soon as he started using, you know, which was daily for him, um, he would get kinky. That was how he wanted to have sex like 90% of the time. So, you know, if he waited long enough, like once I started doing more and more, like well into the evening, I'd start to get a little spacey and then he could, then I could get into sex. You know, now, like, what type what, would turn me on that. What kind of volumes of, uh, by the way, Kristen Casey uh, on the phone, her new book is called Rock Monster, My Life with Joe Walsh. It's available everywhere. Now, what type of volumes of Coke would you and Joe Walsh do? You know, it's hard to remember exactly how much we would do. Like, he might get an eight ball, and that would last us for 24 hours, um, depending. You know, sometimes sometimes he would just get a gram and sort of parse it out over the course of the evening. But if we were going to stay up for two or three days, we'd end up, you know, going back for a second eight ball. So Now, did, you, now did you—go ahead, 25. Go ahead. I was going to say, when you guys have your Coke parties and, you know, you're partying heavy, were there any transsexuals or little people involved? Midget. <laughs> no. Uh, now, no. There, Stevie, now, you did have a run-in with Stevie Nicks, and I think that goes along the lines where you talked about how you blew your septum out. And I don't know, there's been, uh, in rock and roll and in the, in the lore and the urban legend was that Stevie Nicks did so much coke that she also blew her septum out as well. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. She, she talks about that freely. But, you know, I could tell... I could tell by the sound of someone's breathing if they were breathing through their nose whether or not they had a hole in their septum. And so I won't say, I can't even remember who all, but I could usually pinpoint. Um, for all I know, Joe may have, but Stevie definitely did. I, I had one that I only had fixed uh, finally a year and a half ago. So you um, had a hole in your, now when's the last yeah. time you did Coke? Uh, I haven't done Coke since I quit that before I quit drinking, and I quit drinking in 97. So I quit Coke in 95. I mean, I probably slipped. Yeah, I definitely slipped. But anyway, I haven't done any drugs at all since 97 when I got clean and sober. But I had, um, and so the hole in my septum, which was not small, was still didn't really affect the stability of my nose or the, or the strength of, you know, the structure. And then um, I had what I thought was going to be a minor nose job um, about five years ago. And the guy was so bad that between the, the hole in my septum and his terrible work, my whole nose started collapsing. And so I had to have two surgeries over the last few years to, um, to rebuild it. I had my whole nose rebuilt. Over now, the you last didn't allow, Stevie came, in the book it talks about how Stevie came to Joe's house, and you didn't really like her. You thought she was flighty no, no, or did. did, or I'm sorry, yeah, you got, yeah. or ditzy yeah, or something. I, no, I, I did call her ditzy, and um, there was a write-up uh, in a big magazine that the way they framed it, the way they quoted me just out of context made it sound like I didn't like her. She was lovely, but she was literally the ditziest person I ever met, and she was the guest who wouldn't leave. Like, we couldn't get her out of the house. She just kept playing the piano. And I was dropping every hint possible. Well, Joe had to coke. Joe had, in the morning. Joe had to coke. She wanted to stick around. Now, in, in, in rock and roll, and we can't really get into it because we're on regular radio, but it, I, rumor has it, and I think that you used to do coke with a straw, and it's called Stevie Nick style. When you've blown your septum out, you have to put it somewhere else. We're just going <laughs> to leave it as that. Is that true? Yeah, actually, I forget whose idea that was, but if you get those tiny straws that I think like you mix a cocktail with or like right. super small yep. and you just pack it with cocaine um, and then you can uh, put it in places 
comfortable. Yeah, it's a little bit more comfortable to put in places. And with two people, you just have somebody blow on the other end, and it just goes inside you really quickly, and you'll get a little rush. Like, it's very similar to snorting versus, like, rubbing on your gums or something. Now, would you guy, would you and Joe do? Now, we call that Stevie and Ned. It, it lives in infamy on oh. our show. We call it Stevie Nick style, yes, but we actually have a woman that can confirm that she used to do that, and I don't know if you did it with Stevie Nicks or not, but I'm assuming... No, no. Stevie was... I don't, I don't know if Stevie was using Coke that night, actually, because she never left my sight. She never even went to the bathroom, and we were together for hours, but Joe told me later he thought it was pills with... She was into pills at that point. And into so pills. That's why she was so out of it, or you know, kind of ditzy. But now, how but long did how did long it. how long did you do it, Stevie Nicks style? We call we call not that, that on the long, like not even a year. Just be, I mean, it was kind of hilarious. Like it would just crack us up, but and it worked really well. But it was really inconvenient. Like you couldn't go out to dinner. No, and you couldn't. It, let you, you know? I mean, you guys, you know, you just couldn't. Like you know, you couldn't undercover yeah. it now, could you? Yeah. Yeah. Now, no, you had to do it. You had to do it uh, um, at home alone. And so, yeah, we we did that for. I don't know, off and on for six months, maybe. Yeah, this girl's a, a straight party, or is she not? She's a maniac. Kristen Casey is her name. Rock Monster, My Life with Joe Walsh. The book's available in stores now. And as your guys' relationship progressed, I think that you guys, you either talked, I don't know whose idea it was for you to start sleeping with other guys, but you, I think you started sleeping with his road manager, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, Smokey Wendell. We had an affair that lasted a year, actually. And it was, you know, every now and then Joe would invite another guy in to our intimacy but joe didn't ever participate like that wasn't his thing it was more of just a he would say he just wanted that he needed help satisfying me like joking around but i maybe it was a voyeuristic thing i don't really know that happened a few times it never really was a great experience but you know when you're on coke you just anything to keep things exciting and new and fresh kind of um but i eventually had an affair with one with Terry Reed and one with Smokey Wendell Joe's road manager, and the one with Smokey lasted a year. What about Lionel Richie? Wasn't he supposed to marry you guys? But it was all under the guise of you getting your drug habit uh, yeah. under control. Now Joe has just as probably as a big of a drug habit as you do at this point, but he's like, you got to get yours fixed before we get married. Yeah, that was one of the reasons it didn't work out so well. Because when you're living with someone who's still using, you're just—it's not—it's impossible to stay clean and sober if you're gonna live with someone who's still using. I mean, we had people over every night. And um, so he went to rehab briefly while we were together, and it, and it took. It lasted for, you know, two or three weeks, I think. But then as soon as we, we were around his bass player or any of his friends, we'd start using again. So um, he didn't get completely clean and sober until the Eagles talked him into it. Now, I think that you guys broke up, and he went to rehab. You quit doing drugs, but you started drinking a lot, and I think you started stripping again, did you not? I did. I was living in Vegas, and I started stripping. I first went to the Olympic Garden, but then within a month or so, I, I moved to the Crazy Horse, too, and I worked there for five years, and um, it was a really fantastic time, actually. But you were, I mean, you were drinking a ton, weren't you not? The first three years that I was there, I was drinking myself stupid, and I, I even got fired for it, um, and then I got clean and sober in 97 and continued to strip there for about a year and a half. Um, so, no, if Joe Walsh yeah. was a, you know, you're obviously very hot when, you know, when you were stripping and what have you. And, and did you hook up with any, besides Joe, obviously what your book is about, because you were with Joe for Joe Walsh for six years, any other, you know, like David Lee Roth or any other big celebrities that you were with? Cause I mean, obviously you liked rock stars. 
You know, I couldn't care less if a guy is a rock star. I love Joe. Like, I fell in love with him completely. Like, I thought he was my soulmate, and he, we were fated to be married. And um, I like musicians because, I mean, I, who doesn't? They're creative. And I did have an affair with Terry Reed, who's one of the most amazing uh, psychedelic rockers ever. You know, he's a British. He's an incredible singer. Um, but... Um, you know, and I've dated a bunch of musicians. I dated Alejandro Escovedo for a while, kind of somewhat recently. But um, as far as like big rock stars, no, not really. Now, have you been? Have you? Are you married now? You got kids? Like, are you just like a normal woman? I know you're a sex therapist <laughs> and, and things like that. But like, are you just like? How does your current husband or whoever like you know handle all this? I mean, because you are some pretty hot action back in the day. <laughs> well, thanks. I um, no, I'm actually single right now. I. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't exactly say I'm a normal woman. I've never really wanted kids, and... Um, Are you still a freak? Uh, I would... You know, I'm a very sexual person, and I really believe that that's something that needs to sort of... A conversation that needs to be had, you know, that sexual health and, and positive sexual attitudes are something that we're really lacking in this country. But I... Um, and I work in the field of sexual health as an intimacy coach and surrogate partner. But, um, you know, and I've dated, I've had boyfriends over the years, and I've, I've been proposed to, and I've actually been engaged twice since Joe, but it just never really worked out. Now, what, now what type of job do you got, uh, Kristen? You said you kind of, I didn't quite pick it up. Yeah, I work in the field of sex therapy. I work with, um, sometimes in conjunction with sex therapists, um, with clients who um, they deem could use um, uh, submit some assistance. Uh, my website, in fact, it explains it much better, Surrogate Partner Central Texas. Um, or, Surrogate um, Partner I, yeah. Central Texas. Surrogate Partner Central Texas. Now, does yeah. that mean like a, like available threesomes? Is that what that is? No, no, not at all. I mean, I'm um, just trying to, I'm just trying yeah. to figure out what it's all about. Okay, I think, now, first of all, I don't, I don't judge, and I think it's really hot, just to be honest with you. Oh, thanks. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all to help people. A lot of my clients have some sexual trauma, and so um, it's, a lot about just learning to communicate and to um, to experience pleasure with touch. To um, Ned, we got sexual drama, don't we? Yeah, oh, yes, we do. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a way. It's you know, a lot of people have a lot of anxiety around sex mm -hmm. and just intimacy in general, emotional intimacy and physical intimacy. So it's a lot about addressing that. There's a there's a movie that um, depicts it um, pretty well. It's the sessions with Helen Hunt, but also Lisa Ling did a wonderful show on it recently. Um, it was the uh, first episode of her most recent uh, season, and it's really a fantastic show to watch to understand sort of in, in her book, I think you talk, but last topic is, I think you talk about how uh, one time Jack Nicholson was at the show, and he came into Joe's dressing room, and they were, they were, they were doing bumps and, and, and all kinds of deal uh, with some fans, and, and Joe was watching in the doorway, and 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 then Jack was having was was holding court. Uh, I think you you called it in your book. <laughs> Every time Jack was in the room, he was holding court. But yeah, he walked in. He kind of barged in the room, went into the bathroom, didn't bother closing the door. Just did a couple big bumps and started to walk back out again. And Joe's like, "Whoa, slow down!" And he introduced us. And uh, Jack was like, "Hi!" And then he took off. And he came back shortly afterward with Harry Dean Stanton and a little gaggle of like six fans or I don't know what and then they just took over our, our dressing room completely they took our chairs they sat on our floor and then Jack just proceeded to tell stories and sort of bask ah. in the glow of their you know admiration how old are you now Kristen uh, 50 I turned 50. 50 years old Kristen Casey she's an author her book is called rock monster my life with Joe Walsh now has Joe reached out to you about the book no we lost touch about um, I reached out to him about five years ago 
the last time I talked to him was 2011, and then I sent him some emails in 2013, I think, and I never heard back. Uh, so he had gotten married around that time, so I, we haven't talked in a long time. And I haven't heard anything about him from the books, so I don't have any idea if like he's Like their lawyers or anything haven't gotten a hold of you and try to say, <laughs> okay, we're going to try to shut you down? Because, I mean, yeah. everything you probably say is very factual because you experienced it and what have you, but I didn't know if he still got a ton of money and wants to try to squash or anything like that. You know how they get sometimes. Um, yeah, the thing is, to me, from the day I got sober, honesty has been the guiding force in my life, and I wouldn't write about anything that I didn't remember very clearly, and I do have a lot of memories that are either vague or confusing, and so I just, I just don't write about them. And uh, as far as I've been told by my publisher's lawyers, I mean, everything in the book I have a right to... I mean, yeah, but if you experience it, it's not hearsay. It's it's your side of the story, right? right? Exactly. You know, I'm a writer, and I had a story to tell that I really thought would be helpful in some way to a lot of addicts out there or people who, like the loved ones of addicts, who are trying to understand what's going on in their head, because ultimately that's the main reason I wrote the book. You know, a lot of people don't understand why addicts act so self-destructive and crazy. And I remember very clearly what I was thinking and feeling during those years. And it was crazy behavior, but it seemed logical to me at the time. So I thought if I could, if I could explain that, it would just be you know, one no. more voice adding to the collective consciousness um, in regards to addiction. And then the more we know about it, the more we can what um, was find your par- treatments. Here you are, 20, you're hooking up with Joe Walsh, going out to Vegas and stripping. Or what did your parents think about all that? Well, you know, my parents just wanted me to be happy and safe, and so they could see that I was happy, and <laughs> they were really glad about that. Um, but I was also kind of a bit of a rebel. My parents knew I was going to do what I wanted to do anyway, so, um, and they really liked Joe. Like, he would come and spend weekends with my parents in Amarillo, and, and, and they loved him. And I hid the drugs from them as much as I could, and there wasn't anything they could really do at that point, you know. Out of all the Eagles, to... who did you who did uh, you get along with the best, and who was the biggest dick out of all the Eagles? Uh, the biggest dick, well, let's see. Uh, I really loved Timothy B. Schmidt and Don Felder. I thought they were great. Um, Don Henley was, on any given day, could be a prince and can be a total jerk. Like, depending on his mood, he was just awful to everybody, or he was this Super charming. How about Cl- um, Glenn Fry? Well, always seems pretty cool. Glenn Fry just treated me like I didn't exist. Like <laughs> I, I found Glenn Fry to be one of the most arrogant, egotistical, immature people I've ever met. And Don Henley was probably a close second, to be honest. Um, but you know, I, I hear they were nice to other people. Um, I never. I was in the room with Glenn Fry a million times. He never even acknowledged my presence, which I just found to be a little you know, childish or tacky, I don't know. Well, he's probably like, Joe's got this whore running around here trying to break us up and do, doing bad things. You know, because I think him and Henley, Henley and Fry were the two founding members, so they were probably trying to, you know, take care of the brand, what have you, and probably thought you were bad for it. And they would be right. True. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when did you we blow... were bad for each other, yeah, that was very true. Now, this might be the first chick we've had on the air that blew her septum out and had to go... St- we've always talked about Stevie Nicks style, Ned, but we actually are talking to somebody who did it. It's quite an honor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you who rebuilt it. They're in, uh, uh, they're in L.A., um, Drs. Um, Littner and Solomon at Profiles. Um, and they rebuilt my septum when three other surgeons, one of them the top surgeons, top septal reconstruction surgeons in the country, said it could either couldn't be done or it would uh, be too expensive and take multiple surgeries. And then they, um, a year and a half ago, these two superhero surgeons rebuilt my nose, and I can breathe again. There's probably a lot it's, of that in L.A. Yeah. There's probably big business know, of people right? blowing out their septum <laughs> in L.A. 
Yeah. Now, yeah, can you blow I, out? Can you blow out the? You know, when you blow out your septum, you obviously do it Stevie Nick styles with a straw. Can you blow that out too if you use it too much there? Uh, I definitely think you can do some damage, which um, with that. I think, yeah, and I did have to actually have two surgeries there. Although the doctor said he couldn't say whether it was from doing that or not. Would it be from doing something else? You know, I, my my guess is actually that that was from having whiskey runs for twelve years. That I did some damage that way. Whiskey you know, runs? From, you mean yeah, drinking too I much whiskey the, you know, and getting getting the uh, getting diarrhea? Yeah, and oh. it was it was tequila, but um, you know, yeah, that's how I lived. I was I was a hardcore. Yeah, this is a rock star bitch right here, ain't it? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, Kristen, I'd love to have you on from time to time just to talk about some of the whiskey runs and the tequila stuff and <laughs> and the lights of stripping. You were a real crazy bitch, weren't you? Oh uh, yeah, 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 definitely. I gotta get another couple books in me. So um, I'd, I'd be honored to be on your show again. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Kristen. Good luck to you. We'll keep promoting your book, and when you get something else, let us know. Okay. You bet. Thanks a bunch. All right, man. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. Ned, that's a real crazy... Ned, we've always talked about Stevie Nicks style. This bitch blew her nose out with Joe Walsh, partied with Stevie Nicks, and then had problems with that area because she had the whiskey runs. Filthy. (laughs) 